how do you um, how do you react to new ideas? Like when you come across uh, a new idea, when someone says something, how how do you react? I was um, I, I can't remember what I was doing. I was looking at something uh, on the internet, and there was this this headline which said. Uh, this Christian parent thinks obedience should be demanded, not earned. Like, how do you react to that as an idea? Like, there you go, there's a new idea for you. I hadn't thought about it before. I had never asked myself the question, do I think obedience should be earned or demanded? Just never something across my head. H- how, di- what did you, how did you react to that statement? I've got no idea how I react to that statement. I still haven't really thought it through, and I didn't read the article, so I know almost <laughs> nothing about it. But... I'm interested in, in how, did you, how did you react to that as an idea? Because it's a, a helpful barometer as to what's your natural reaction when you come across an idea that either sits uncomfortably with you or that you haven't come across before. A, a new idea, how, how do you react to it? When someone comes along and suggests something that's different to what you already think, what do you do with that? How does it make you feel? How do you respond? I, I, Let's be clear, there's, there's two extremes, aren't there? You, you, you can probably fill in the gaps, but it, just in case you can't, I'll fill them in for you. Um, th- there's two extremes to this. So those who think, I know what I think, and I am not going to change my mind about this. You can reason with them, you can point to any amount of evidence, you can ask them to explain why is it you think that, but none of it makes a blind bit of difference. They know what they think, and they know they are right, and they are not interested in anything that doesn't agree with them. That's, I think, the kind of attitude that we see dominating the so-called culture wars that are being waged primarily on the internet. Two sides know that they are right, unwilling even to consider another point of view. And therefore, what you spend your time doing is ridiculing, opposing every idea that doesn't agree with what you already think. So that's one way you could react to a new idea, to something new that you haven't come across. Uh, But there's the other extreme. So to take the other extreme, there are those who don't really know what they think. uh, And so they are very happy just to get on board with whatever new idea comes along. They watch a documentary on Buddhism and decide they're Buddhists. And then they meet a Christian and try Christianity out until they read The God Delusion and decide they're atheists. And then they have a chat with someone on the ramp at Middleton Grange and just join a cult. You know, like, you've, you've, got, you've got that other extreme. You know, the, the people who will just, they love a new idea. A new idea is exciting. It's a whole realm of possibilities. It's things they haven't thought about before. They can broaden their horizons. They can be, be more complete, have a whole new set of thoughts. All it takes is a random internet article or conversation with someone. They've completely changed what they think. Uh, And you just feel like it's impossible to keep up. Every time you meet them, you're like, oh, you think that now? Great, I don't know how to deal with this. Now, I just want to be clear. I think there's there's some strengths in both of those two approaches. Neither of them are wholly wrong. Knowing what you think and, and having strong convictions about some things, I think that's incredibly important because if you don't have those convictions that allow you to determine what's right and what's wrong, to make decisions, then you run the risk of simply being entirely reactive, making every decision based on how you feel at any given moment. And so you end up navigating life in, in frankly, a slightly incoherent way. However, there's there's also a problem with it, isn't there? Because unless you already know everything that there is to know then closing yourself off to new ideas will prevent you from continuing to grow in your understanding. 
So, so, so there's some strength to that, knowing what you think, having some strong convictions around it, but there are clearly some problems with it as well. Whereas, on the other hand, being open to new ideas, that gives you the chance to learn to develop, to continue to kind of change what you think, to grow in your understanding of the world and how you fit in it. But being too quick to adopt new ideas or latch on to something new, that makes you susceptible to being misled or believing things that are simply untrue. And of course, if you are misled or make decisions based on things that are untrue, then that can lead to bad decisions. It can also lead to your life lacking structure or direction. You're constantly changing where you're heading. I'm doing this now, and then I'm doing this, and then I'm doing this. There's no clear direction to it. You're just constantly moving around. There's no stability around it. I wonder if you were to put yourself on that spectrum. If they're the two extremes, like which one do you err towards? Uh, where, which, which side are you more likely to fall into? My guess is that all of us probably fall more one way than the other, although we will also vary depending on what the issue is. But are you naturally hostile to new ideas? Is your default to be skeptical about anything new? Or are you naturally enthusiastic about a new idea? Do you tend to be suspicious of people who think the same thing for a long time? Do you quickly get bored of things and be looking for, I just need something new, I need a new idea, a new lifestyle, a new thing to pour my attention into? Now, now the reason why I want to talk about this is because that is going to have a big impact on your life. Like just, just from a, a how, what is your life going to look like, there is a degree to which the direction of your life will be driven by how you deal with the new ideas you come across. It will determine the direction of your life. Your life will go one way or another, depending on what you do with the new ideas you encounter in your life. During your life, you will be constantly exposed to new ideas, and how you respond to those is going to impact the kind of people you end up being. So it matters for you as an individual. How, what are you going to do when you come across new ideas? It's something you're going to have to work through, and it's going to set a direction of your life. It also matters for us as a church. So if you'll allow me just to talk about us as a church for a minute, churches tend to fall into one of those two camps. You have a church who will say, well, this is what we've always believed. This is how we've always done things, and refuse to change at all. Churches who remain stuck in the 1800s or 1950s or 1980s or 2000s or whatever year it happens that you get stuck in. So you'll have churches like that, but then you will also have churches who are so quick to adopt any new idea, any new theology, any cultural change, any new and interesting interpretation, that it's difficult to work out what they really believe about anything. What, what do they actually stand for? They're constantly changing, so it depends when you happen to engage with them what, what they actually stand for. So it matters for you as an individual, it matters for us as a church. What are we going to do when new ideas come along? And, and of course, because it matters for our lives and because it matters for us as a church, then it actually matters right here, right now for each of us in this room. If you are someone who this afternoon is looking into Christianity, just thinking about it, you, you wouldn't describe yourself as a Christian, you haven't decided whether you believe in Jesus, whether you follow him, 
then one of the questions that's going to drive whether you ever become a Christian or not is how do you deal with this new idea of Christianity? How are you going to react to what the Bible teaches about who you are, about who God is, about how you get to know him? Are you going to stubbornly refuse to even consider it? Or are you just going to naively believe everything we say and get on board before a new idea comes along and you give up on Christianity and follow that? So it matters if you're someone here just looking into Christianity, hasn't yet decided. It matters if you are somebody here who is a Christian. Because if you are a Christian, unless you already know everything about God, the universe, and everything, then you are going to continue to come across new ideas. The story of your life will be you coming across new ideas. The question is, how do you decide which of those new ideas you accept and which you reject? What are you going to do with those new ideas? And the good news is that Acts is a great place for us to think about this question. Because actually the story of how people respond to new ideas, more specifically, it's, it's about how people respond to one particular new idea. The idea that God has sent a Messiah in the person of Jesus, a rescuer who will suffer and die so that we can be forgiven, who will conquer death by raise, coming back to life, and who will offer forgiveness for sins and a relationship with God through that. The story of Acts is how people respond to this. What is a new idea everywhere Paul goes? Everywhere Paul goes, this is a new message. This is a new idea. How will the Jewish people who believed certain things for centuries respond to this new teaching? How will those who are not Jews and who believe a whole range of different things respond to yet another new idea? Everywhere Paul goes, Christianity is new. And this week, we are going to be in Berea. So we're going to be seeing what Paul does when he's in Berea. And we're going to see how they respond to this new teaching. So let's read it. Acts 17, starting at verse 10. We're going to read from verse 10 down to 15, this account of Paul's time in Berea. Let me read it for us. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Now, you might have noticed it there. The Berean Jews are described as of noble character. And they're specifically described as of noble character because of how they responded to this new message that Paul had brought to them. That's what, that's what makes them stand out. That's what's different about them. That's what's noble about these Bereans. And so all I want to do just for the next few minutes is I just want us to think about what can we learn from them about how we respond to new ideas. 
Uh, and I'm going to pull out three things, uh, and uh, let's, let's start at the beginning. The first is, I think we should hear new ideas with eagerness. The first thing we're told about the Berean Jews is that they received the message with eagerness. Now, it's easy to feel threatened by new ideas. They feel uncomfortable to us. We can feel threatened by them. We can suddenly feel defensive, like we have to justify what we already think. Well, I already think this, and come up with all the reasons why what they think is wrong. However, new ideas are essential for our growth. It's as we come across things we haven't heard before or ideas we haven't thought about before, it's then that we have an opportunity to grow, to develop, to change what we think or how we live. So take the example of the article I I, I talked about beginning. Hearing someone argue that obedience should be demanded, not earned, gives me the opportunity to think about an issue that I've not really thought about before or to get a different perspective on something that I already know what I think about but need to be open to the fact that maybe I'm wrong about it. One of um, Jordan Peterson's 12 rules is to assume the person we're listening to might know something we don't. I I do fundamentally think that is a helpful piece of advice. Assume the person we're talking to or listening to might know something that we don't. So let, let me encourage you to be eager to hear new ideas. Don't close yourself off to them. Don't be so protective of what you already think that you can't even cope with hearing different ideas to what you already think. Be eager to consider them. Aware that hearing those new ideas gives us the chance to consider what we currently believe and see whether what we believe actually makes sense or not. We don't yet know everything. None of us do. God has much still to teach us. So we keep coming across new ideas, and those new ideas and new messages are not a threat to us. If they are true, they're an opportunity for us to refine our thinking. If they are untrue, they are an opportunity for us to work out why they are untrue, and as such, to strengthen our convictions. So, here's basically what I'm saying. Whether you are a Christian or not a Christian here this afternoon, This is a call for you to be open-minded. If you look at Jesus' ministry, one of the great things that led people opposing him was simple closed-mindedness. Why was it that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were so hostile to Jesus? Because they were closed-minded that there could be anything other than what they already thought. Unwilling to change what they thought, even in the face of what was happening right in front of them. Things were happening in front of them and they were willing to completely ignore those things, to reject those things because it didn't fit with what they already thought. So this is my encouragement. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, I want you to be open-minded. I want you to acknowledge you don't yet know everything and there is much still to learn. But let's, let's not get carried away. Because notice what they then do. What is it that the Berean Jews do? Well, this is perhaps what they're most famous for. If anybody knows anything about the people in Berea, it's this. They examine it to see if it's true. See, see, so they're, not, they're eager to hear the new idea, but they don't simply go, great, that's a new idea, let's, go, let's get on board with that. They examine it 
to see whether it's true. You see, I'm calling you to be open-minded, but I'm not calling you to be gullible. Paul did not simply come with a message and then ask people to believe it with no evidence. That was never what Paul did. Paul did not simply say to people, well, believe it if you want to. He didn't ask people, well, do you feel like this is true? He didn't call on them to follow their hearts. No, Paul reasoned with them. He told them about what Jesus had actually done, about what Jesus had actually said. He pointed them to what God had promised he would do in the Old Testament. He repeatedly spoke of the evidence of Jesus' resurrection. Paul went to these people and he said, here is the message and this is why you should believe it. Personally, I'm always nervous when people are really quick to accept Christianity for themselves. Now, now don't hear me wrong. I love it when anyone comes to trust in Jesus, in what he's done for them, uh, find the forgiveness and new life he offers. I, I, I love that. I'm excited by that. But I'm always a little bit nervous if that happens incredibly quickly because I always wonder if they're willing to believe this without really considering it, without really thinking and examining it, then what else might they be willing to believe? What happens when someone at work tells them they're an idiot for believing in Christianity? What happens when they meet a charismatic Mormon or a spiritualist or whatever? So what is the right response to new ideas? I think we should hear them with eagerness, but then we should examine them. Don't be too quick to accept a new idea. Examine it. See if they are true. See if they are reasonable. See if they bear good fruit. At Grace Church, we often talk about how we love to have people involved in the life of the church who believe different things. And I want to say that is true. We do love to have that. If you are somebody who disagrees with everything I'm saying here today, I'm so glad you're here. If you're somebody who doesn't yet believe in Christianity, I'm so glad you're here. If you're someone from a different Christian background to me, I'm so glad that you're here. I, I love having them here. I think it strengthens us. I think it helps us to uh, sharpen what we believe and what we think. I also think it's great to ha uh, have the opportunity to talk to other people, to present them with what I see as the best news. We love having Christians from different backgrounds. We love having non-Christians in our meetings. We love having Christians who have different beliefs about all kinds of things, spiritual gifts, what guidance looks like, how we share the good news of Jesus. We love having that. We want you to feel very welcome here. But I sometimes worry that people could hear that as us simply accepting all different views as equally valid. As if we just like the diversity of it. But that's not why we like it. We like it because then we can together pursue truth. That's why we like it. Our hope and prayer is that as we consider these differences, we collectively get closer to the truth. If you believe something different to me, I want to hear it. And then I want to examine it. And then I want us together to think about whether there's things we need to change our mind on. My prayer is that each year... As a church, we will become more and more aligned and consistent in what we believe because we're willing to consider different ideas, we're willing to examine them, and then together we are willing to move towards what we see as the truth. Now, of course, 
That leaves us with the million dollar question, which is where this whole thing falls down, which is who gets to determine what the truth is? Because often in a discussion, I think what I'm saying is the truth, and you think what you're saying is the truth. So what you want from this conversation is me to agree with you. What I want from this conversation is you to agree with me, and we don't really make any progress. Who gets to decide what's truth? Is it just who shouts loudest wins? Is it just the law of majority, as if more people believing something makes it more true? An argument I've never really understood. Is it who wins the argument? We all tend to believe what I think is the truth, and that therefore other people should come into line with me. But if we all think that, then we can't all be right. And of course, in the Bereans, we see the answer. Because they receive the message with eagerness. They examine it. But what do they do? They search the scriptures. They search the scriptures. We don't get to determine the truth. God gets to determine that. God is the one who made the heavens and the earth. God is never wrong. He is never mistaken. He never lies or misleads us. And so the only reliable place to go in search of the truth is to his words. It's within the Bible that we find truth. And so ultimately, any new idea needs to be examined against Scripture. That's what we do with new ideas. We hear them, we understand them, and then we ask this question. Does this align with what God has revealed to me in his word? Is this new idea, with what, is, is this new idea consistent with what God has said in his word? We don't simply ask, well, do I quite like that as an idea? Does it fit my lifestyle? We don't even ask the question, does it convince me? No, we ask the question, is it consistent with the message of the Bible? Now notice what I said there, with the message of the Bible. I just want to encourage you, don't proof text it. Anyone can take a verse of the Bible and make it say something untrue. We hear Satan doing that when he tempts Jesus in the wilderness. We don't proof text it, we weigh it against all of scripture, against God's great story of a world in rebellion against him, of a God who pursues that world by entering into it in the person of Jesus, and who now calls on all people to repent and find the forgiveness he offers at the cross. And as we fit it into that story, we ask the question, is this new idea to be accepted or rejected? What do I do with this message? As I said at the start, what you're going to do with the new ideas you're going you're to come across is going to have a huge impact on the people you end up being. It's gonna have a, if you're a Christian here today, it's going to have a huge impact on whether you remain a Christian throughout your life. If you're not a Christian today, it's going to have a huge impact on whether you ever come to know Jesus for yourself and find the salvation he offers. And for us as a church, it's going to have a huge impact on whether we grow together in knowledge and maturity of who God is and what he's done. So we pray that as we hear new ideas, as we examine them, as we weigh them against Scripture, that our minds are transformed. And through that, we are transformed more and more into the people God calls us to be. That's our prayer. I'm going to pray that for us now, and then we're going to move into a time of response.